we all have cancer cells in our body. It's just our is our immune system set up in a way or strong enough to combat it. And that's one of the reasons why I think that um, the trauma, why there is that connection, because the trauma in my gut that I think caused it, it, it was such a um, seismic explosion throughout my whole being. I had never felt like grief like that and pain and like I I see how that was really just like um a crumbling of so many different things that you know my body may have been doing just fine kind of eliminating and making sure to to recognize those cells and kind of keep a hand up on it but it it just opened a floodgate for inflammation and stress hormones and disruption of the the healthy flow of things so you know, it, it makes complete sense. Hi, and welcome to the Endo Babe podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Bree. I'm an ultrasound tech, endometriosis advocate and author, self-love and wellness junkie, and I'm on a mission to help you thrive with endometriosis and improve your quality of life. On the EndoBabe podcast, you'll hear empowering conversations with myself and experts as we dive deep into all things endometriosis, mindset, brain training, holistic healing, functional medicine, spirituality, self-love, and so much more. This is a badass podcast for badass babes, and I want you to leave this podcast feeling inspired and empowered in your own health journey with the confidence and belief that you too can have more good days than bad. Are you with me, babe? See you in the podcast. Hello, my beautiful soul. This episode is brought to you by The Crystal Aesthetic. I created this company in 2022 for you, for me, and for anyone who seeks depth and meaning, believes in the unknown, and knows there's more to life than meets the eye. This company was inspired by magic and everything that I love and believe in, the universe, the journey, cosmic cowgirls, country rock, and wild witchy women. As a woman-owned lifestyle brand, we're dedicated to helping you feel comfortable in your skin and raising awareness about endometriosis and empowering you to love yourself even on the hard days. Just like you, our items are full of magic and created with the intention of bringing comfort and style, whether you're snuggled up on the couch, exploring in nature, or hitting the town. Proceeds from this company are going to be donated to help support this podcast and making it free and donated to support endometriosis research. Let's hear it for small enchanted spoony businesses and I hope you find something magical that you love. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Endo Babe podcast. In this episode, I chatted with Junie Boucher, who is just such a vibrancy that I I loved our conversation and I know you will too. She is a breast cancer survivor. And after getting her diagnosis, she did a complete upheaval of her life. She improved her nutrition, had a consistent meditation practice, said no to things that didn't feel in alignment with her life, and really stepped into the most vibrant version of herself. And it really inspired her to go back to school for nutritional therapy. And she's a 200-hour meditation teacher. She's based out of Portland, Oregon. Um, And we just had a wonderful conversation about the ups and downs of healing from any kind of health crisis, whether it be cancer, endometriosis. Um, She has some free guides for us, like a self-love dance party playlist and a breast cancer grounding kit. And if you enjoyed this episode and you would like to chat more with Junie, all of her links are in the show notes. Let's dive right in. Welcome, Junie. I'm so glad that you're here. Thanks, Chelsea. I'm super excited to be here too. Yes, of course. So I usually start off by having you tell everybody a little bit about who you are and how you got doing what you're doing now. For sure. So I, uh, I'm a California girl and uh, I'm currently 45, which is oof, 
I, I just turned 45 and it feels like quite a milestone. Although I will say I'm feeling great. Um, I, I kind of got into what I am doing now in terms of holistic nutrition and wellness because at the age, well, I had, we can go back even further in high school since this is hormones. In high school, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which I'm sure your listeners are familiar with because it affects so many people. And uh, that began my inquiry, I would say, about how food and lifestyle can affect your health and certain conditions. And uh, yeah, so I started exploring that world. I was able to reverse my Hashimoto's and... and um, really manage it through diet, uh, which was such a powerful experience. So at the age of 41, when I was diagnosed with breast cancer and completely shocked because I was someone who I considered to be health conscious and doing the quote unquote right things, I knew right away that I was going to support my body through the healing process with food, a mindfulness practice, non-toxic living. And um, that created, I also started digging into the emotional roots of cancer and uh, the breast cancer personality and work that's been done on trauma and disease and um and I realized there was a lot of rearranging in my life that I wanted to do. And I ended up changing everything pretty much because I, yeah, I, I was in a, a not unhappy relationship, but just I knew in my heart it wasn't where I wanted to be. So that was tough because, you know, you find a good man and it's really hard to walk away from that. But knowing in my heart it wasn't right for me. Um, and I changed my career completely and realized that, you know, when, when you're going through medical crises, like as, you know, endometriosis or breast cancer, whatever it is, a lot of the time while you are walking through it, um, or at least in the cancer experience, you have this whole medical team behind you. And then once the cancer has been removed, you're kind of just thrust back out into the world and, and told, hey, don't let the cancer come back and we'll see you in a year for your mammogram. And for a lot of women, that can be incredibly frightening and confusing. So I had done a ton of work for myself. I, I went back to school. Uh, got certified in nutritional therapy um, and started working in the niche of breast cancer and hormonally driven breast cancer specifically because I didn't want other women to feel the confusion and the fear that I had once they were walking that road to survivorship. Just when you think that everything should be great and you're ready to enjoy life and just live to the fullest, <laughs> you are potentially bogged down by a lot of fear and um, confusion about how to move forward in a way that will prevent the cancer from coming back. So I've kind of dedicated my life to that. And uh, I did end up going back to do a 200-hour meditation teacher certification training because I realized that most of my clients were so stressed out. And as I'm sure you are well aware when hormones, stress hormones are coursing through your body, it can be really, really tough to make some of the changes that are needed to balance hormones. So you have to manage that stress. And uh, I saw, I, I have been a meditator for over 10 years. I've seen it, the benefits in my life. And I really wanted to incorporate a very holistic approach to my practice. And, and that's where I am now. What a story. <laughs> I always find it amazing. Women, we're so strong. We are, we right? I know. Something traumatic or something like life-changing and we can make something good out of it and like make it our lives work to help other people not ever have to feel like we felt. Yeah. I just realized I was somebody who it was really important for me to be in alignment with what I was doing and, you know, purpose is 
is something that when you do start going down the road of emotional roots to cancer and how to um, heal from cancer from this more psychological perspective, like having purpose in your life is is really powerful. Yeah. Can we talk about that a little bit? Because I'm sure there's people that are listening that are like, what in the world is a cancer personality? <laughs> what is like the psychological side of healing from cancer? I don't know if it's something I can distill in like a sentence or two, but yeah, it's fascinating, right? So um, there have been studies that have been done and there have some been some identified personality traits and with breast cancer specifically, and I think this could probably apply to women uh, on many different levels, but uh, you know, are you the person that puts everybody else's needs above your own? Um, do you have maybe a, a traumatic something in your history that was traumatic that may have involved just like a very deep heartbreak, whether it was the breakup of a marriage, the loss of a child, some, you know, the loss of a, a career, something that just broke your heart. Um, that is weirdly a very common trait. And, and it's not to say if something terrible happens to you that you're going to get cancer, but just the importance of processing our trauma you know, and, and exploring that, being with feelings and um, prioritizing self-care, worrying, being very, you know, that type of personality. But a lot of it has to do with um, not putting a lot of care or emphasis on your own nourishment. I think that's a major theme that I see with breast cancer. When you think about the breasts, I mean, they they symbolize a lot. But one of the big things that comes up as I've started exploring these philosophies of what some of the emotional roots of breast cancer are is like, it's a big mirror that gets held up to you of like, how are you nourishing yourself? Food, the information you bring in your relationships, what are they like? Are you nourishing yourself? And I feel that cancer can be an opportunity for a lot of women to reflect on those things. And like myself, I mean, it, it, I that was a process. It wasn't like I got cancer and then boom, I changed everything. It was, you know, I, I went through my treatment. I kind of managed. I, I There was a lot of big feelings. And then it was in the two years post that I really started doing a lot of this inner work and um and really looking at how my life nourished me in different ways yeah so looking at things not only outside of yourself but inside of yourself yes absolutely you hit the nail on the head like it's never just an overnight transformation you don't just like wake up one day and you're like i'm going to change everything in my world right now and i'm <laughs> going to think completely different and i'm going to believe different things it's a process and it takes a lot of work Mm -hmm. But it's obviously work that you're going to reap the rewards of. Yeah. I mean, for me, for me, it's, you know, there are certainly struggles that have come with choosing this very different life. Because I went from a career in the law industry where I was making six figures and, you know, just super comfortable to saying, I'm going to start my own nutritional therapy practice and be a meditation teacher and, and build from scratch. And, you know, that's, there's a lot of uncertainty. There was a lot of unknowns, a lot of just like working through fear and um, self-doubt, imposter syndrome, <laughs> all <laughs> these different things. But as you continue to walk forward, I mean, I just don't, I don't have any regrets, um, but that's, and that's some people do wake up and feel that need to change everything. You know, everybody's experience is different, but especially when I come on a podcast and I tell my story and it's, I distill it into like a three minute spiel. Yeah. It is important to let people know this wasn't an overnight change and it, it's taken a lot of self-examination and some of it's been really uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But dealing rewarding. with those emotions that you maybe have never dealt with that have stayed in your body. And um, have you ever read The Body Keeps Score? I have that book on both Audible and in paper form. And yeah, it's one of the books that I 
is just so powerful. I cannot say I'm completely through that book. I've read a number of other books that just talk about that, but that is the sort of the um, iconic, I would say, uh, book about the relationship between trauma, you know, and and uh, disease. Yeah, it is really interesting with endometriosis. I um, some of the new or some people, I guess I should say, are researching the effects of trauma on like the initiation of endometriosis symptoms. So a lot of people that have, have severe endometriosis, their symptom onset was after like a traumatic, like something traumatic happened in their life, even like as a kid, you know? Yeah. It's just interesting how much it all impacts us and how little it's talked about. Yeah. And it, well, there's a whole new, I mean, the body keeps the score and there's another author called Gabor Mate. Have you ever heard of him? Yes. Yeah. So the, when the body says no, like mm-hmm. psychoneuroimmunology and psychoneuroendocrinology, I, I mean, I'm 45, but I was like, should I go back to school? Cause this is dope. <laughs> like I was like, this is so amazing. This exists now. And this is, they've made a really sciencey name for it. <laughs> so people might actually respect it, but, um, <laughs> You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's incredible. And when I talk to, I mean, that doesn't surprise me at all what you just said about endometriosis because every single one of my breast cancer clients, I always ask them kind of casually, even though there have been scientific studies done, just like, hey, I'm curious in the, I don't know, three to 10 years prior, did you have like a, a major trauma emotionally? And Every single one of my clients has, and myself included. So um, I do think that it makes a lot of sense that just understanding how hormones work, if something just devastates your system and provides this grief or anger, whatever it is that just like sends shockwaves throughout your system, like things can go awry. (laughs) No yeah. surprises there. Yeah, it's it can be life-changing, life-altering. Yeah. Hormones play such a huge part in all of our lives. And we're <sighs> taught from such a young age to just like, oh, they don't really matter. Just take birth control. Just like oh, it's not yeah. really a big deal. And I feel like a lot of people in their like 30s now are trying to come off birth control and get pregnant and like do all of these things with their life. I probably see it more because I'm in that niche. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But it's like people trying to balance their hormones. It just it baffles me. Like I wish that that is what we were taught in health class in school instead of don't have sex to get pregnant if somebody looks at you. Yeah. So oh my god. Birth control and just numb everything for the for fourteen years and then you'll be fine when you want to get pregnant later. It doesn't really matter. Hormones don't matter. <laughs> it yeah, feels we're... like they're saying women don't matter. <laughs> I mean. It does feel that way sometimes, especially right now. But I feel I feel like um, I couldn't agree more. And I was put on birth control at 14. And I've the what I've learned as I have gone down into this niche, because, yeah, like you, I was just like, oh, my God, hormones affect everybody. And I don't really think I know anybody that doesn't have some signs of a hormone imbalance. You know, there are very different hormonal imbalances, but it's very rare that you come across somebody that doesn't, especially in their 30s. Maybe yeah. in their 20s, no, but 30s and 40s, most definitely. And also the fact that I know so many women that not even the sex piece, but it was like wonky periods mm-hmm. put you on birth control. And I liken that to if you're driving your car and the check engine light comes on, are you going to put a sticker over it so you just don't see it? Or are you going to actually get under the hood? I love that there's women out there like you that are promoting this holistic approach and root cause um, exploration. Because if you don't deal and you just use the Band-Aid approach that we're given so much in our world today, it's going to just start spreading. And unfortunately, we're constantly being 
bombarded by endocrine disruptors just by moving through this world. Unless, I mean, I I don't know if viewers can see, but you clearly live somewhere very beautiful. <laughs> but, but um, you know what I mean? Like just going to the grocery store and handing, getting the receipt handed to you from the clerk. I mean, not to scare people because <laughs> when we did that unit in school, the teachers had to tell us, okay, this is going to probably freak you out. But when you, when you learn how we are constantly bombarded and how wonky the system of regulating these chemicals is like we it's in our hands to offset these things and to be conscious of our detoxification pathways and our, you know, the balance overall, like supporting our body nutritionally and managing our stress. Yeah. I mean, ultimately it falls on our shoulders and it feels like a really heavy burden to bear because literally everything in the world right now can be quote unquote, like toxic to us and the hormones and to have to like take a step back and look at everything you put in your body and on your body and around your body. It can be, it can just like can totally consume you. It, It really can. Yeah. I have a, I have a client right now who was like in the middle of treatment and she was like, I feel like everywhere I look, everything is something that I feel like causes cancer. And, you know, oh, what that that's a really tough place to be, which is another reason why um, I felt like bringing mindfulness into my practice was so important because, yeah, that'll consume you. Yeah. Um, but we do have to advocate for ourselves and also consider the toxins that are coming in through the information that we absorb mm-hmm. you know the the media what what messages are kind of like what messages do you have to detoxify from especially as women yeah 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 like what are you consciously viewing or are mm-hmm. you just like mindlessly scrolling and getting all of these like hidden message just put it into your subconscious I think yeah. it's also important the like what you just said with your client being like oh my gosh being so scared of everything I think that also also tough to yeah. to yes yeah. stress hormones that's gonna flood you with stress hormones I mean it's completely understandable as yeah. you learn more Valid. like that knowledge is um sometimes, you know, sometimes ignorance feels like bliss in terms of this realm, but yeah. And, but that's why, you know, we do have to sometimes take a moment to get present, understand we are safe right now and we get to make choices, but you know, some things we are just exposed to because we live in this world, but balancing things and just giving a little bit of consideration I have people on my Instagram feed that I, I mean, I'm not, I don't consider myself a jealous person, but there are certain people that for whatever reason, make me want to compare myself to them. And I don't follow those people because I'm like, you know, this person, I'm happy for them, but for whatever reason, they create this reaction in me where I, it makes me feel like I'm not doing enough or I'm, you know, whatever their life is so great when who knows what their life is actually like. Um, and it creates this comparison thing. So there's little, little things that I try to do in my life and not judge myself for it, you know, cause it's not, I'm wish it's not that I'm wishing they come down a notch. <laughs> it's just, you know, just like, do you need that information right now for whatever reason that it's kind of triggering you um, to be self-critical? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think social media and the internet is, has done wonderful things for the illness communities, right? Mm-hmm. Bringing people together, but it also can be a really heavy place if you're like in those groups or whatever and on social media and you're just constantly feeling bogged down because you're seeing all of these like really heavy stories and yeah, just like things that really aren't making you feel good. Like, is that actually supporting your journey or is it making it worse? Yeah, that's a really good point. Because with breast cancer, there is a mm-hmm. lot of community, and I'm sure endometriosis as well. Mm-hmm. And and with endometriosis being something that can cause so much physical pain for a lot of women, like I'm sure there are people that need to vent 
you know, or, or frustration and, uh, same with breast cancer. And I think, you know, I have a client who's kind of a major figurehead in the breast cancer community. And, and she's talked to me about just the incredible amount of grief that she has to deal with on a consistent basis, because unfortunately, if you're in the cancer world, you see people die, you know, your friends die. And, um, and although it can be incredibly empowering and, um, beautiful to bond, sometimes you need to give yourself some breaks. Um, yeah. Social media is something where I, I enjoy it, but also I regularly take steps back. (laughs) Yeah, me too. I took a step back in like 2021 and I like have not come back. (laughs) I'm doing the podcast and I'm doing like so many other things outside of social media, but it just felt like too much. And I agree with like yeah. the grief and the emotions and the heaviness of all of it. It just, I mean, if that's your job and that's like something that you're on constantly, mm-hmm. it can be too much. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and that's one thing with my my particular feed. You know, there are so many different guidelines when you are a wellness entrepreneur with like social media. It's like you want to provide this valuable content. You want to talk about things that are relevant to the your your community um, and help people. But I also, <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of a silly person. So I make a point of doing posts sometimes that I'm just like, this is not about cancer or food or meditation. This is just me being me and being silly. And can we just take a step back and laugh? And and it's, um, you know, it's as much fun for me as I hope it's, you know, because people are always like, yeah, okay, that's good. Yeah, we should take a break. Yeah, I think it's important for everyone to do that sometimes. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> you did so many things. You got your diagnosis and then you said like in that post-diagnosis after you had the surgery, you're mm-hmm. kind of just like left hanging on your own. Like, what was that like for you? Yeah. Well, and this is, you know, something that I, I hesitated to talk about for a long time, but I think it's important to talk about. So, and especially in the context of this podcast, like, so a lot of women, I had a hormonally driven cancer early stage. I opted for a more aggressive surgery. I had my breast completely removed because I didn't want to do radiation because my own research on radiation, I did not like this, what I saw. <laughs> and I figured, you know, okay, I can have a, I can lose the breast. Um, I did have a reconstructive surgery, but, um, you know, and then one wonderful thing about breast cancer is there is a test now that before Anybody who had cancer would get chemo. Now, with hormonally driven cancers, you can have, at least with breast cancer, um, if you meet a certain criteria, you can have a test done that will determine if chemo is even going to benefit you. Because a lot of people die from the side effects of the harsh cancer treatments that they receive. And um, so I'm glad that they're looking at these types of things and really individualizing the benefit and the risk. And in my particular situation, it was not of benefit. But the standard of care is to prescribe a medication that's very controversial in the breast cancer world called tamoxifen. And uh, are you familiar with tamoxifen? Okay. Okay, Yeah. Yeah, So tamoxifen is a um, selective estrogen receptor modulator. And what that means is that if you have a, a cancer cell that's fed by estrogen, what this does is it sort of this drug becomes a placeholder and sits on those estrogen receptors so that the cancer can't get fed by um, by your estrogen, but it also ends up blocking estrogen to other parts of your body. So it can, for some women, cause really intensive side effects that are very similar to menopausal side effects. And, um, they're very, some of them are very unpleasant (laughs) and, uh, not everybody experiences that. And I did, I did a lot of things to try and prevent or to try and sort of arm my body to best handle that. Um, unfortunately I was in the group of women that experienced a lot of side effects and it, it was another testament to the power of of hormones because I felt like my personality completely changed. You know, you may hear from people who go on birth control and they were like, I was like a different person. I don't know what happened. 
And I, that's what I felt like happened to me. And it really threw me for a loop. And even though I was on it for a, a chunk of time, my gut from the very beginning was just saying like, this is not for you. And it's also a drug that is a class one carcinogen. So just like a lot of other medical treatments, it's like, well, you know, we can do this. It might cause this other cancer um, because uterine cancer is really common because it thickens the endometrial layer. So endometrial and uterine cancer are, um, you know, a potential side effect of this medication. And the way that the doctors approach it is like, well, you know, that's a pretty easy thing. We just take out your uterus. And I'm kind of like, yeah, I sort of want my uterus. Um, <laughs> and uh, anyway, so I made a very personal decision after discussing it with my doctors, after doing a lot of soul searching, because I was essentially going to go against my doctor's orders. But I said, I'm going to do everything I can to balance my hormones, to keep my detoxification pathways open, to manage my stress and to change my life and process my traumas. <laughs> and I'm going to forego this medication, which when I did the actual math for my specific situation, really was only going to give me about a 2% better chance of not getting breast cancer and was absolutely not any kind of a guarantee. So I feel like I completely lost track of what your original question was, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I, I've gone, I went down this pathway of hormones and really doing a deep dive. And that's, what's become my life's work because mm -hmm. not only did I see firsthand what effect it has on your quality of life, your ability to think clearly your emotions. And, you know, for me, like if I can't sleep, I can't function. Um, so there was, there were a lot of things that came into play and, you know, I had to advocate for myself and make a decision that I felt was the decision I could live with and know that there were no guarantees either way. Yeah. Sounds like you really listened to your body because you had said that you had a gut response that this just like was not for you and you wanted to do something else. And yeah, you jumped in with both feet and look where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, you know, the statistics and who knows how many other women go off this medication without just telling their doctor that up to 50% of women stop taking the medication. And, and the thing that, you know, it's, it can be extremely beneficial for some women and it's a personal choice. You know, yeah. I had, I don't have children. I, I'm not married. Like there's all these different factors that went into why I felt this was the right choice for me and every woman's different, but yeah, there was a really strong gut intuition that I felt was a, was a factor. I mean, wasn't the only factor, but it was a powerful factor. Like we, we know, <laughs> we know some things. Yeah, our bodies are so smart. And yeah. I feel like a lot of the times we lose that connection from like you're just like living up in your head and you totally ignore your body. But a lot of the times if you can go inwards, you can find answers that you didn't realize were there. Yeah, yeah. And I, I honestly, I do that a lot in my own health journey since, you know, like it's fluid. I, I, I always tell people, my clients, like, it's like, okay, well, we can figure out a plan now. And, um, <laughs> but we'll have to, you know, you adjust, you like are, you're constantly flowing your health. Like it. Um, so yeah, I think that to me is, is a, also a big focus of my work with clients is like, how do you strengthen that, that communication? Cause so many people don't know how to tune in, you know, and it is so powerful when you can really slow down enough to say, what do I need right now? You know, and you're not ruled by hormones that are saying we need candy like stat, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or we need a pastry and a Starbucks Frappuccino. Like I, I mean, you know, and I can hear that voice and say, oh, you know what that is? That's because I had, I didn't have protein at breakfast, you know, instead of being able to really say, what do I need? Right. I was like, oh, I, you know what? I think I need a little bit of red meat. Like, I, I think I need, 
Yeah. Um, and I could really, yeah, I'm really down with some Brussels sprouts and some raspberries. Like, you know, like we, we, we know, but it takes time some for some people to develop that. Yeah. There is a, there is a voice that we can find our way back to. Yeah. What's one of your favorite ways to like tune in? Well, I always, I meditate in the morning and then I meditate between the time that I finish work and eat dinner. So just get grounded, kind of like release the day. But, you know, if that's not part of your routine, literally just taking a, just taking a second to feel the soles of your feet on the ground and just take like three deep breaths, you know, and really slow down a second. Don't have a TV on while you're eating food or even considering what you're going to have. That's been a game changer for me. Not watching TV, not checking emails, not scrolling my phone when I am having a meal. Yeah, just being present with whatever it is you're doing now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But slowing down, and I mean that's a that's a thing I still work on constantly, and I think it's nice in these seasonal months. It's fall right now. Um, like the weather really invites us to slow down and go, go inward a little, um, but sometimes it takes a little bit longer than other times, but it is a muscle that I think you can strengthen. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. It's not always easy in the very beginning, but the more you do it consistently, the easier it gets. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and another thing I love to tell people is building that intuitive voice is is not just about when you're doing things the right way, quote unquote. It's like when you, like if you eat something that you know doesn't really work well with you and maybe you're taking some time off with it, maybe you're experimenting with, with like a gluten-free protocol or something like that. Like don't beat yourself up if you end up having some, some gluten or whatever, but just like use that as as an experiment like cuz i know so many people that experiment with things like that it's like yeah i know i don't do that well with dairy but i've never really got enough and it's like okay we'll just try it for a little bit of time and then bring it back and you know and that's when you really see a lot of the time so use everything as a as an opportunity for data you know how do, how does my body what makes me feel the best yeah, I'm always experimenting, but I'm also like a self-help junkie maybe. <laughs> and I'm Ditto. always looking for ways to like improve my life or feel better or I'm trying all of this and I'm trying these new things and learning new about new things. I'm very like a little crazy about it maybe. <laughs> well, I feel like I am too. What are you into right now? I would love to know. Um, I recently... And this is probably just going to sound crazy. And I don't, I mean, if this doesn't resonate with anybody, obviously you don't have to do what I do. (laughs) But I'm trying to stay away from like conventional medicine. And I have a long history Mm -hmm. with like family history of my family was that type that was like, oh, you have, you're hurt. We're going to the doctor. We're getting medicine, you know? And so I Mm -hmm. took like the highest dose of ibuprofen just as like general everyday practice for years and years and years. And I'm trying to, I'm moving into like a more homeopathic mm. realm, um, an herbalist realm, and away from like conventional medicine, which is what it is. We're just trying it out. But I was taking an ibuprofen, like I said, every day because post-COVID, I had a headache every single day. Wow. Um, and I switched over to taking these turmeric ginger pills, and I haven't had to take ibuprofen since. Wow. Yeah. Turmeric, I will say I was having some joint pain and I I was taking sort of a therapeutic grade turmeric supplement and I removed certain things from my diet that I'm like, I don't think, I think these are kind of inflammatory for me. And uh, yeah, I was able to like get rid of this pain. I was mentioning before, like ignorance is bliss sometimes, like losing your ignorance. <laughs> Um, I, you know, on my own podcast, that's all about, it's kind of similar to you. It runs like a parallel road about like holistic approach to healing from a breast cancer diagnosis. And, um, I bring on a lot of authors and stuff like that. And this one woman spent 
over a decade researching why some women get breast cancer and why some women don't. And in part of that research involved really looking at the politics behind the breast cancer treatment industry and the, and the business model. And I was, it, it made me feel like, Oh my God, I'm really starting to walk a fringe path. But like the more you find out about like the money behind it and, and different things is it can be very disheartening. And, you know, the, the conventional medicine pathway, although it can be very appropriate in certain situations. And if I break my arm, yes, I'm going to the hospital, Mm -hmm. but you know, in terms of dealing with, with health problems, I am going to go for a root cause. I'm not going to use a pharmaceutical um, path if I can avoid it. Yeah. And, um, and I feel like it's an interesting thing and it's been tough learning some of the things that I've learned. I know it's, it is a fringe path because you're like, gosh, I really wish to like, I would have known better a long time ago, but now that I know when I know now, like I'm never taking that again. Yeah. Did you see recently there's a lot of lawsuits against Tylenol? No, but that used to be my old job was working in, um, doing a lot of work in lawsuits against like pharmaceutical companies. So doesn't surprise me, but yeah, so I, I do have a bias, but only because I, I, you know, these companies, it's a, it's billion dollar industry Mm -hmm. and people get hurt. Of course they get hurt. My yeah. God, I'm, we might have to do another podcast episode because I would <laughs> love to talk to you about Lupron. Oh, gosh. <laughs> there are Lupron, so many yeah. lawsuits against the manufacturers of Lupron and the treatment for endometriosis and how like Dr. Friedman fabricated all of the data and it was retracted from medical journals and it's still used as a treatment today. Oh, breast cancer patients get that as well. Um, a lot of breast cancer patients, that's part of the like the shutdown so that you don't have the the uh, hormone feed. Yeah. Um, you know, to be honest with you, I didn't even know that. I'm shocked. I didn't know about that. I mean, I'm kind of out of that game, but now I have to go. Now I'm going to, I'm probably going to go down a rabbit hole. Go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Oof. Yeah. It's terrifying. They use it for IVF as well. So they can like shut off your hormones <sighs> and then control them with other medications to get you to ovulate and do all these things. Yeah. You know, funny you mentioned IVF. That was another thing where like intuitively I knew because I I never really got like that maternal instinct activated. Um, and then when I was with someone who I decided, you know, my my clock was ticking and then I was like, yeah, I think I do want to try to have a baby and you're a wonderful person. Like, let's do this. And we started trying. And then I met with my gynecologist and my naturopath. And I was like, can you do like some hormone tests? And, and my naturopath was like, yeah, you're, you know, where your levels are, like you would, and this is all pre-cancer. She was like, you would need to do IVF and you might not even qualify for IVF because your levels are like not in, even in the range. But I knew immediately there was no way that I was going to do IVF. The crazy thing is my cancer was likely already in my body at that time. And had I done IVF, it it would have been like throwing kerosene on a fire. Yeah. Um, you know, it would have been terrible. But I knew just like very, very strong. That voice was like, no, that's absolutely not for you. So um, obviously so many women, they feel that is their only choice. And obviously that's a very personal decision. Um, but it is scary that these ways that we manipulate our hormones, um, that it can be in some cases looked at very just without much thought (laughs) to the repercussions down the road. Well, and I mean, if you're and I'm sure there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that have gone through IVF or are currently going through it or considering it. Um, and for me personally, it was it's always been a big gut no. Yeah. Um, but I'm an ultrasound tech. I don't know if I told you that, but yeah, yeah. I, um, I heard on your podcast when I was listening to it. Yeah. Um, I have some friends that have done like breast ultrasounds and worked at breast centers for like years and years and years. And 
I was asking them or like talking to them about like the hyperstimulation of ovaries because we learned in ultrasound school that that increases your chance of ovarian cancer by 10%. My coworker was telling me, he was like, you want to know what's even crazier is we were seeing all of these patients that went through IVF and now 10 years later, they have breast cancer or five years later, they have breast cancer. And we were seeing them like she was like, I was seeing them on the like the IVF side and ultrasound. And then I also am in the breast center. So then I was seeing them a couple years later in the breast center. And I don't know if there's like studies about that, but it's just interesting that you just Well, it makes complete too, like, sense. Yeah, it makes complete sense. Because if you think about, if you have, and a, a lot of breast cancer can be very slow growing. Yeah. You know, um, but if you have a, a cancer cell that is fed by estrogen and progesterone, if you're, hyper dosing or like hyper activating. I can't, I don't know what the term you use was. Um, overstimulating. Of, overstimulating. Yeah. 100%. Like if there is already something going on, you're going to push that process along. And I think a, a really interesting thing I learned about cancer that I didn't know before I started going down this niche pathway is that we all have cancer cells in our body. It's just our, is our immune system set up in a way or strong enough to combat it? And that's one of the reasons why I think that um, the trauma, why there is that connection, because the trauma that, I mean, I don't know, but in my gut that I think caused it, it it was such a um, seismic explosion throughout my whole being. I had never felt like grief like that and pain. And like, I I see how that was really just like um, a crumbling of so many different things that, you know, my body may have been doing just fine, kind of eliminating and making sure to to recognize those cells and kind of keep a hand up on it. But it, it just opened a floodgate for inflammation and stress hormones and disruption of the the healthy flow of things. So, you know, it it makes complete sense. Like, yeah, theoretically it makes so much sense. And I mean, trauma can lead to like immune dysfunction or cause mm-hmm. your immune to function at a lower level. And even for yeah. like endometriosis, it's an immune disorder basically. It's a disorder of immune dysfunction um, and inflammation and hormonal disruption. Yeah. Which are all the things that if you think about, yeah, with trauma, like if you're flooded, you're flooded with cortisol. If you're, yeah, you're, I mean, having been had autoimmune disease, yeah. Like something goes awry (laughs) and, and your system gets confused. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. like to think of the idea of like, my breast tried to kill me, which was, is a common thing that you hear in the breast cancer community. And it's kind of like, ha ha ha. And I thought it was funny when I first heard of it. But then I, as I got deeper into the mechanism of cancer, why it occurs and a holistic approach to it, it's like, oh, cancer is kind of like a healing mechanism of the body. Like it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's things have gone awry. But ultimately, I do feel like our bodies want us to thrive, but they can get confused. Yeah, I always we're so much. (laughs) We're very similar, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because one of my big things is like in the endo community, it's like fuck endo, fuck my body, fuck my uterus. Yeah, and I do not say that your body is trying so hard to -hmm. help you heal, and then you're just being mean to her. Like that's yeah. not, have you seen like that study where they like talk shit to a plant and then they're like really nice and loving to Yes. Them? And the one that they're mean to dies. Yeah. Because our words have that much power and our thoughts have that much power. Well, that's another realm I've gone really deep in. And I'm sure if you are a self-help, self-professed self-help junkie, then you're very, are you familiar with Louise Hay? I would assume. Yeah. Okay. So Louise Hay, um, if people are listening, don't know her. She is all about like self-love and affirmations. Very interesting. Um, I mean, she, she claims to have cured her own cancer. She had an extremely traumatic life. And, uh, but you know, it makes sense because when we nurture that self-love, um, and we approach things, I mean, sure, 
there there is anger that should be acknowledged and honored when you are dealing with a health crisis. It's frustrating. Yeah. You feel betrayed. But at the end of the day, like, no, yeah, something something went wrong. That can be a very empowering thought, I think, um, to know my body really does want me to heal and thrive. I just have to give it what it needs. Mm-hmm. And um, what does it need? And that that can spread into so many different realms in our human experience. Uh, but yeah, like that's been a big thing I talk about with breast cancer patients uh, in my practice and any hormonal balance thing is like health, healthy choices are a lot easier to make when you foster a loving relationship with your body because you're kind to the people that you love. Um, and yeah, that that's, I'm actually doing this workshop in February for some breast cancer patients, just like, how do you fall in love with yourself again after breast cancer? And I think you could probably, I, I want to, I think I might do it more in a general way too. Just how do you fall in love with yourself? Maybe after chronic illness or after yeah. a health crisis or anything really. Uh, and, and what are like, when you foster that self-love a lot, it, it really opens up your world. <laughs> yeah. And it's surprising how far we've gotten away from that. You know, yeah, well, and I mean, when you're in the the trenches of going through something so life altering, of course you're mad, of course you're angry. Yeah. But like living in that anger isn't helping you heal. Yeah. Um, and I talk about this a lot on like earlier episodes about how I was so angry at my body for being in pain all of the time. I just treated myself like shit. I ate awful, I chain smoked, you know, I partied mm-hmm. all of the time. I just didn't do what my body needed because mm-hmm. I was like, fuck it. I'm broken anyway. Mm, yeah. Um, and it really took me, I don't know, hitting like a quote unquote rock bottom of what and looking, taking inventory of my life and not liking where I was or the person that I was becoming to be able to like flip that switch and like change. Um, yeah. But it, it made the world of difference. You know, my pain reduced a ton. I started having better relationships with people. I met my husband now, you know, it mm-hmm. just, it makes a big difference. Yeah. And, and I think that's such a tricky thing for women. And it's funny. We really are a lot alike because, <laughs> because I, yeah, like I, I mean, I would be eating like a pale, perfect paleo diet, but I was also just like partying my balls off. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah, I was living like this weird LA existence. Um, but <laughs> you know, I, um, the anger piece, I, I still, it's very tricky for me. Like, how do I honor my anger? How do I give that anger respect? Um, but also how do I not live in the confines and, and the toxicity of it? Um, and I mean, I'm a pretty balanced person. I think my mindfulness has really helped me with that, but it is something I'm working on right now. And if, for add to yourself, I mean, I don't know if this will resonate with you, but a self-help book I'm really like enjoying right now that I think is really powerful is called Becoming the One. Have you heard of uh, Rising Women, Rising Woman, Shiliana? Mm-hmm. I don't know what her name is, but anyway, I'm reading this book uh, about relationship patterns mm-hmm. and self-soothing uh, because I have been out of a relationship for a little bit of time and I was feeling this like real deep longing um, but not kind of like acknowledging, like, I don't know. I feel like I'm doing some things that are not necessarily bringing me to the relationship I want. Um, let's go ahead and go inward a little bit and, and really like, you know, a per another person's not going to fulfill me if I'm not whole already. Like I can't expect that of somebody. So, um, you know, what, and I've gone through this at different times in my life. So it's like, that again is like a never ending growth. Um, so whether you're in a relationship or not, like we are constantly exploring like what it means to be whole 
And, um, and she is a really cool perspective, um, about, and she talks a lot about self-soothing because yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I've got it dialed in pretty well, but I'm not immune to, I just notice sometimes when you go, Ooh, that really frustrated me. And for some reason now I really want to eat like some hot tamale candy. <laughs> like, well, what is that all about? And just kind of get curious about it. Like, are you, you know, what's going on there? Um, but also a lot of it has to do with like being able to not judge your emotions. And sometimes they just need you to sit with them just like a child. Like you can tell the child, stop crying. Or you can just say, yeah, that's hard and hold them, you know, gently and and be compassionate. And like, that's what we do with, that's to me, the right way to approach our own emotions so that we can actually move through them. Yeah. And I think that is a really important point and like a good visual to give people because I know a lot of us are very good at just like shoving those emotions down, mm-hmm. tamping them down and never dealing with them ever. But then we were talking about that earlier. It's going to arise as something in your body. Yeah. And so yeah, imagine like you wouldn't tell a small child who like can't regulate their emotions yet to just stop crying or be quiet. You're fine. You would hold them. So you should be doing that same thing for yourself. Yeah. And a lot of times that that reparenting, you know, for so many of us, I mean, parents are humans too. I think that's what you you realize once you get a little bit older. They're gonna mess up. <laughs> it's just part of it. And uh, yeah, so reparenting yourself. I mean, I never was somebody that talked to myself, but I've become. I, I give myself pep talks sometimes. I literally like if I'm feeling kind of hurt or like I didn't get what I wanted out of a situation, like, like, well, maybe I'll just tell myself what I needed to hear as opposed to, you know, what I was hoping to hear from someone else. And, and it, it actually works. I mean, I might look crazy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but, but yeah, I mean, it's really, it's, there's so much we can do to, to like, fill those holes for ourselves, And that's going to allow us to have more fulfilling and healthy relationships with others. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. What an interesting road. Like we went from a to like 17, six, four. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but no, I that's, think it's great. It's that the beautiful thing is like everything that we've talked about today, that's healing, you know, like, yeah, it's not yeah. just nutrition or, <laughs> meditation there's so many like intricate little dips and valleys and curves that yes are part of the healing journey that are important to be acknowledged and i and just to say one last thing yeah um you know i i i think it's so important to note that you know on a podcast like you have an hour of of information that you're distilling but like <sighs> These journeys, as hard as they can be, especially when it's a health crisis you're walking through, like this is a journey of self-discovery if you want it to be. And so although the end point or the finish line typically feels like I just want to be out of this pain of the endometriosis or I just want to be free from cancer, but like if you can enjoy the journey like cuz you are learning so much about yourself and there are so many opportunities for you to grow in infinite ways beyond just what you're doing and to and to strengthen that muscle of self-love and self-compassion. Mm, yes. <laughs> well, thank you Junie for coming on the podcast. I know yeah. this was wonderful for myself and everybody listening. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Yeah. That what a I I love how much we have in common and it's so neat to, you know, thanks for having me. And I mean, podcasting is so neat. I meet the coolest people. Yeah. I <laughs> it always makes me happy to know there's people in the world doing work like what you're doing, you know? I know, me too. And it's I think it's so much fun like chatting with other people and connecting this way and then sharing with everybody listening. Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm going to put all of your links in the show notes. So for anybody mm-hmm. listening and you want to connect with Junie, just scroll on down and head on over. <laughs> yes. And I love hearing from people. So don't hesitate. 
Wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you. Babe, thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. I had so much fun and I'm so fucking grateful for every single one of you. If you thought that this was helpful or you loved any part of this podcast, I would love, love, love for you to screenshot it and post it on Instagram at Chelsea Bree, C-H-E-L-S-E-A-A-B-R-I and tag me. I would love to see what you're getting out of the episodes. It makes me so happy. I would also love it if you'd subscribe to the podcast and leave a review because that just helps other wonderful endo babes find me as well. I adore you and I believe that you don't deserve to feel like shit. You deserve to have a normal life despite endometriosis. So I love you so much and I hope you have a wonderful day and I'll catch you on next week's episode of the Endo Babe Podcast.